Amen and amen. Wow. You know what? It's great. I love being here. Can we throw the house lights on, please? I love being here. I love being with you. I mean, who's, have you had any family gatherings yet? Anyone, right? Okay, nobody. Okay, a couple. Fantastic. The rest of you do not like your family. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you will get into some today and into some tomorrow. So enjoy that time. There's nothing like family, but I love coming together as the family of God. Amen. I love that we can come together and just have a great time getting into God's word, being in the presence of God. And here we are week four of Holy Spirit. I can't believe we're wrapping this sermon series up today. I've been so excited about it. I think that you've enjoyed it yourselves. And it's been very challenging, hasn't it? It's also been very educational. It's been, uh, for many of you, I've, I've had conversations and you've been able to be like, wow, you know what? This has really brought some clarity. And so I'm glad. I'm hoping today as we continue, and I'm prayerfully believing today, as we continue in this, that we will understand a little bit more uh, with, with clarity. You know, there's one thing about all of us in this room today is that we all come from different backgrounds, different teachings, uh, different persuasions, I guess you could say. So for a pastor like myself, that can oftentimes become extremely challenging. I mean, think about this for a moment. For a moment, Some of you in here, the majority actually come from a Baptist background. Many come from a Methodist background. Many come from a Catholic and a Presbyterian and as well a Pentecostal background. So you can understand that with this type of diversity, especially with the topic manner that I, I believe God has chosen for us, to, to experience and to learn about, it can oftentimes be a tough job for me as a pastor, for any pastor. It can be challenging, especially, as I said, with this series. So my prayer as it's been is that we don't focus on what our traditions have been. And my prayer is, has, as we have gone through this, has it been about the misinterpretations or the misperceptions that have come our way when it comes to this topic, but that we are allowing ourselves to be that blank canvas where we're allowing God, you know what, you put on this canvas exactly what you want when it comes to this Holy Spirit. So we're wrapping this topic up today and our theme verses come from Acts chapter 19, verses one through two. And I'm gonna go ahead and read from that again this morning. And it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and he arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? See, what I like to do is uh, when, we're, when I'm reading the word and, and when I'm reading it you know, to myself, and especially when I'm reading it to you, if someone, if there's a, a, a transition there, I like to put a little emphasis on that. And so what does Paul say? He says, did you receive what? The Holy Spirit when you believe. Now, I believe this in my, in my and I'm, keep that scripture, please. Um, I believe this, and, and I've shared this with you as we've gone through this topic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we really touched a lot on it last week, but I truly believe that the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ and you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you're not only accepting Jesus, God the Son, right? You're not only accepting God the Father, but who else are we accepting but God the Holy Spirit, all right, so the moment, and, and, and that's one of, the mo one, of, one of the first misconceptions and perceptions that I've tried to just destroy as we've gone through this um, series is, is that the moment you accept Jesus, you are accepting all three. 
All right. There is no just God, the father and God, the son. And oh, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> them people are weird. You know what I mean? They package it differently. And, and, and my frustration as a pastor is that I, I feel that this topic has been so manipulated and and just uh, packaged poorly that so many people uh, are, have turned themselves off when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But let's get in further. It says they answered no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, throughout this series, I, I have tried to eliminate the myth that of the bad packaging of it, that people seem to be more rejecting of the packaging of the Holy Spirit, either because of the way they've been taught or demonstrated to them rather um, than what the Bible truly says about the Holy Spirit. I, uh, listen, listen. And, and, and I've, I, I tell you guys this all the time. I'm human. I bring a message that I feel that God lays on my heart with an interpretation and that, that, that I feel that lines up with what God is doing. But I'm always challenging you this. Take what I've given you, read the scriptures, and your prayer should be, Lord, give me what you want for, for me when it comes to different topics that I speak about all the time. And this is definitely one that I'm encouraging you to do that. So... What we have done through the last several weeks, we have uh, understood or we brought some defining or definition to some terms. Week one, we define uh, the word spirit and ghost because uh, many times you see within the scriptures in the text and, and, and you hear pastors speak on it, you hear teachers, different things like that, but it'll be called the what? The Holy Spirit. And then other times it will be considered as what? The Holy Ghost. So we understood in the Old Testament that is called Ruach, all right. And then in the New Testament, pneuma. And both really mean this is talking about what a breath of fresh air or uh, uh, some wind in your sails. Many of us have been, if you recall, in the week one, have been paddling incredibly hard to get somewhere spiritually. But we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be that wind within our sails, that fresh breath air that we need within our lives. I mean, we've all had those moments where we've said this cliche before. Wow, that was a fresher breath there. What does that mean? That means, wow, something good, something positive is what? Come into you and it was just like an ease to your spirit, an answer to a prayer, um, a relationship coming together. It was uh, something as, as, as little as, you know, a need, some small need being met within your life. So we've all had those moments where we said, wow, that was a fresh, a breath rather, of fresh air. Then week two, we looked at the term charismatic and people get kind of, you know, messed up when you hear that term. They're like, oh, wow, you know, these people are just, they're going to lose it. All right. What it really, <laughs> I'm just being honest, you know what I mean? Um, but what it really is talking about is the gifts that are available to us. Understanding that there are many gifts that are reserved for us as the body of believers. That the gifts that God have, and, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here. But listen, if God intended it for man, do you not think that it is not good? Absolutely. So we looked at week two of the gifts, the gifts that God gives us and, and that we are all entitled to gifts. In fact, what, what, what we looked at, there was what, over 20 some different individual gifts in the New Testament alone that are reserved for us as believers. And then we looked in week three last week, we took the term Pentecost 
We learned that it is actually a Jewish holiday, something that was um, celebrated even within the Old Testament before the New Testament and the whole book of Acts experience. We understand that Pentecost truly means 50. What does that mean? 50 days from the Passover, 50 days from when, when what? The children of Israel were taken, or you know, the Hebrew children were taken out of Egypt. And then we correlated that and related that within what God had promised or Jesus had promised the disciples that what, you know, Jesus roamed and reigned on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. You know, we're going to look at some scripture in there and it's kind of humorous to me um, th this morning, but where, where he, he spoke to them and he, he told the disciples, he said, listen, there's something greater coming. And then we understand what 10 days later we have that Acts experience. But today we're going to take and unpack some term terms or rather a term that is used a lot within the church. And it is this baptism. Baptism does, doesn't just mean to be dunked in water. All right. Baptism in the biblical text is referred to this being immersed in. All right. Being immersed in allowing yourself to, to totally be consumed. There are actually three baptisms available for you and I within our spiritual journey. The first one is this. We are baptized into what? The body of Christ. That is the ultimate, that's the first baptism. That is the baptism that stands alone by itself. We can actually write beside that, what? The word salvation, meaning salvation is an experience. It is not a religion. It's not the day that you what, decide to go to church or it's not the day that you decide to join a church. Baptism is an immersion into a relationship with Jesus. Salvation has always been intended to be what? Vibrant, attentive, passionate. It's always been intended to be what? A relationship. Not only Jesus, but with also his church. Not being just an attender or a consumer, but allowing ourselves to be made available to him and to the church. We'll take a look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. It says this, for we were all baptized. Now stop there, that, that word baptized. Let's, let's, let's uh, remember it's called immerse. The defining, the definition of it in this scripture means immerse. So for we were all baptized or immersed by what? One spirit into the body. What is the body speaking of there? It's talking about the family of God. It's talking about the church, the believers, us who are here this morning. Then we can take a look in Galatians chapter three, verses 26 to 27. And the word says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were, there's that word again, what? Baptized, meaning to be what? Immersed. It says being baptized into, in, into Christ have clothed. Now this is more than a belief system, but it is something that you are putting on yourselves with what? Christ. So what are we doing in that verse? What is that verse saying? It's saying that we are clothing ourselves with Christ. We are immersing ourselves into the relationship. We're becoming passionate about being a believer. We're becoming passionate as an individual being part of who? The body of Christ. So we understand that the first step in our spiritual journey is this type of immersion, this type of baptism into a relationship with Jesus. It must be what? Real. It must be authentic. It must be passionate. It must be about relationship. We can see with the disciples, the disciples actually got saved, believe it or not. A lot of us think, well, 
yeah, they, they, they were with him all throughout, you know, uh, his life. But I want to show you something I, I think is really, really interesting here. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were what? Together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, let's just stop right there. Do we have that scripture? Oh, okay. Sorry. It says, for the doors were locked. All right, now, I think about it, you know, I lock my house up, all right? We lock it up, lock the doors, especially when we go to bed at night. You leave the place, you lock it up. You have it, why? Because you don't want no one coming in. You don't want no one coming into your space. You don't want no one coming in where they're not wanted or permitted. But watch this in the scripture. I'm, I'm gonna read it again since you guys don't have it up here. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now we think that is a really religious moment right there. Understand the doors were locked. All of a sudden you have this being just pop in. Now I'm not sure about the rest of you, but if I knew the doors were locked, there was no way to get into this place and something just appeared, I need some peace. I need peace in that moment. See, there's a little humor in scripture. That is not this just religious moment right here happening. That's Jesus saying, calm down, it's all good. It's just me, guys. It's just me. Have you ever been, have you ever like startled somebody? Yeah, all the time. I'm, I'm very, I, I'm like sneaky quiet here in the church, all right? And, and, and so there's many times I'll pop into Karen's office and she's like screaming, woo! You know, and, and it's, I'm like, it's okay, it's just me. It's just me, you know what I mean? So this is one of those moments. So try to wrap your mind around this moment. Get into this environment for a second. He says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, stood among them and said, peace be with you. Or, hey guys, chill out. It's all good. After he said this, he said, look, this is who I am. Look, I'm, look let me show you. All right, let me show you in my what? Hands, in my side. And then the disciples were what? overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. Like, like, calm down guys, calm down, relax. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In that moment, the disciples had been forgiven. We understand that they have been with him for three years with Jesus. And, and, you know, but yet at the same time, Christ had not been to the cross for their sins. They were serving God under the old covenant. And in that moment, he spoke to them and said, what? Receive the Holy Spirit. How do we know a conversion moment happened right then for them? Because the only way that you can ever accept the Holy Spirit within your life is to first accept Jesus. So we see in a biblical manner right there, you can circle that passage, highlight it, the disciples got saved right here. Right here, salvation happened. Understanding the moment that when you received Jesus and you become immersed into a relationship with him, that is the very moment that the Holy Spirit becomes real within your life. Now, what I like about the Gospels is that there's three other books. And what is so cool about it is you have four books in total with 
uh, almost a different perspective from each book. So whenever you read a, a story or, or some verses within that period of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you need to go ahead and check out the other accounts to try to get that full definition, that full defining moment, what really is happening so you can feel that environment and really allow God, because I believe that is when truly the true meaning of the scriptures leap out from us. But watch this in Luke 24, 36, it says, while they were still talking, this is the same, the, the, the same situation, same environment, the same thing happening here is what we just read. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then several verses later on in verse 49, he says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have, until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now we have two separate different things here happening. In Matthew, and you guys bear with me, I'm going to, I'm going to nail this in a little bit. Okay, trust me. In Matthew, we have a moment where Jesus looked at them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now we have a moment, the same account, the same thing happening, but he says what? Stay here later on. You're going to receive what? The power. Okay. He says what? He says the power from on high. This stuff's going to get good in a minute. That's all I can tell you. Strap on. It's just about to happen. It says even though they received the Holy Spirit, they had not yet been immersed into the Holy Spirit. They only know him, but they've not got to know him. What I love, my voice is cracking. What I love is that we have a firsthand account of something that is a powerfully about to happen that we can look at. We don't have to sit there and say, I need to wait 10 days by faith before God is going to show up his power on high. I already know that he has done it, so it's already ready, available to me. As a Christ follower, and, and I'm going to break out some scripture in the Old Testament, and it's going to blow your mind here shortly of how God does this. But I can look, I can see that as a Christ follower, see, you, you have no idea where I'm going, so I'm all excited, and you're just like, I don't get it. I, I'm not, we're not following, Pastor. We're just, Watch. What, what gets me about this is that me as a Christ follower, I know that I have God the Father and I have God the Son and I have God the Holy Spirit within me. But I don't have to wait any longer for the Holy Spirit to be impactful within my life. The power has already been released. And so us as a body of believers at any single moment can call on God and that power of love and that power of compassion and that power of understanding and that power of faith can come upon us because the power has already been released. Now watch this. In Acts chapter one, verses three through five, we have another representation or another encounter, excuse me, not another, the same encounter happening Different translation of it. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We already saw that. What was those proofs? Hey, check out my hands. Look at my side. It's me. Chill out. I just came through a wall. That's pretty crazy. Okay. He appeared to them in over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. In other words, they had a firsthand knowledge where Jesus was just preaching, talking to, him, to them. 
giving impartation, just bringing it to them. All right. I'm jealous. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Watch this. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So we understand that the disciples have been baptized to Jesus and they've allowed salvation. Now here's the second baptism that we're going to look at this morning, and that is water baptism. Water baptism is a separate experience from your salvation experience. Listen, you don't have to be water baptized to be saved. Let me, let me say that again, because there's a lot of teachings that go out there. You do not have to be water baptized to be saved. The reasoning is so that you can't say it was about my works. Your salvation is what? It's a free gift. You can't earn it. And it is completely separate from this. In the second step of your spiritual journey, some of you have had baptism and salvation. Many of you have had been baptized in the body of Christ, but you have yet to be baptized with water since you've become a believer. I want to say this. This is a very important step. June 24th, we're doing a baptism here. I want you to be baptized. If you've come to Jesus recently, you need to be baptized. If you've come to Jesus and you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. 27 times in the New Testament, people got saved and immediately they were baptized. Watch this, Acts chapter two, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were what? Baptized. Why? Because your faith in accepting the message of Jesus becomes a private decision that needs to go public at some point. Same reason you have a, a wedding ceremony and not just a wedding. Same reason that I have this wedding band that says I'm married to this beautiful woman so I'm off limits, ladies. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, taken. Hey, thank you, thank you. The band doesn't make me married, but it shows that there's a covenant there. The band is a public what declaration of my private decision that she allowed me to marry her. Do you like that? She allowed me to marry her. All right. Holy day, you guys are rough. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 to 33 says this, whoever acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my father in heaven. So get baptized. Thank you. Now, here we go. The third baptism that we're going to look at. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is different. The disciples had received the Holy Spirit when they were saved. But Jesus told them to what? Be in Jerusalem and wait because I'm going to immerse you now in it. I'm going to immerse you into this Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verses 5, and then verses 12, it says this. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Then it goes on. But when the believed, that's the first baptism, when those began that he was speaking to, was teaching, was preaching, when they believed, so that's the first baptism, right? That's the immersion into the body of Christ. That is what the salvation moment. 
When they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, now what? They were baptized, which means that's the second baptism, all right? That's the one in what? Water. So we, that, that's one of those instances that was an immediate, we got saved, <clears throat> excuse me. Now we're getting baptized, okay? Both, it goes on to say both men and women. Now, in the same, in the same chapter, Going to verse 14 through 17, it says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. I just want to stop there. Samaria. Think about that for a second. I think one person just got it. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. Didn't say just a group of people, did it? It said a whole region. This was a powerful moment here. God's word came out in such a convincing manner that so many came into the body of Christ and immediately they were what? Baptized within water. But it says when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Move on. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then, I love it, Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now remember this, salvation stands alone. It's by itself. God didn't want to mix something up with it. Salvation is the most important thing for us as the, the body of Christ. That is why we as a church are here. I'm here, yes, I, I'm giving you God's allowing me to give you wisdom and knowledge when it comes to his scriptures and to experience him. But the first and foremost thing is to uh, understand and to fulfill what the Great Commission, and that is to do what? Take the word throughout all the land for the purpose that everyone, not just some, but everyone can come to a, a knowledge and to a relationship of Jesus Christ. Then the other uh, two experiences, they require work. The baptism is something that you have to do. Baptizing in waters is a decision that you make, that you want to be immersed and show publicly that you have made that uh, acceptance of Jesus Christ and, and, and having a relationship with him. But baptism in the Holy Spirit doesn't really have an eternal purpose. I'm going to be honest with you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit does not really have an eternal purpose when it comes to your salvation but it has an earthly purpose so that God can send you because now you are equipped with power. We talked about that last week. That we are to seek after the baptism of the Holy Spirit within our life. We are to seek to being fulfilled, and, but, but, but not just being filled because we understand that happens when we accept Jesus into our lives because now we get to a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But now we're taking it a step further and saying, I can't do this, Lord, without your power. I can't. I can't stand up here without the power of the Holy Spirit within my life. You cannot be, live an effective Christian walk without the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. It's impossible. Uh, 1 John 5, 7 through 8 says this, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, then he has what? The word. John is, is great about uh, calling Jesus the word. Remember, uh, in the beginning was the word and blah, blah, blah. Okay, you understand that? So we understand that he's speaking about Jesus. And then he goes on to saying the other witness is who? 
and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one, and there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the water, meaning the baptism, all right? And the blood, meaning the baptism or the immersion into salvation. And these three agree as one. We're getting, I, I, I hope you're following here just a little bit. It's a lot of information, I get it. But there's a reason why the Holy Spirit is so important for us as a church to be accepting of it and asking God to empower us through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit comes along, he's part of the Trinity. I need the power of God. I need the power of Jesus. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit within my life. I cannot be effective by fulfilling the Great Commission unless I have all three. Now, that is our spiritual journey spelled out for us. And I'm encouraging us as a church and encouraging you as an individual to pursue all that God has for you. All of us in this room at some stage in our spiritual journey that God has for us, we need to be going after the Holy Spirit. None of us can say that I have everything that God has to offer for my life. I'm a pastor and I cannot say I have everything that God has to offer for my life. It's a daily thing. He's always working and moving and wanting to within my life if I'm willing to accept it. The problem with us as individuals is oftentimes we're not willing to accept the Holy Spirit. So we're not allowing it to work and to move in our lives. Why? Because it's been packaged so poorly within the church. That is not the popular thing to say. I get it. But it's so true. If God has something for us, and if the Holy Spirit has something for us, then our attitude must reflect, God, I want it. The book of Acts shows uh, this because it says, don't leave Jerusalem until you have received it. Peter, we understand when, when, when they took our Christ, Peter couldn't tell a girl that he knew Jesus when he saw Jesus. But yet 50 days later, what is he doing? He's preaching in front of 3,000 at least. And they come to Jesus. There's only one event that took place between those two things. And that was what? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You are called by God to do your part to make a difference on this earth. And you can't do it. You must have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a shame that we have turned it into something not desirable and that we have made it a spectacle. And for many, it has become entertaining. How do I know? Because I've heard people say, oh, we'll go to that church so we can be entertained and see how crazy they act. Do not be afraid of what the Holy Spirit has, but run to it. Ephesians chapter 5 and 18, and I'm really going to destroy something here. It says, do not get drunk on wine. Why does it say that? Because we're going to look for something to give us a supernatural experience. We create things. We, want, we are created to want the supernatural. But watch this. It says, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled 
with the Spirit. Now, let me, under, let, me, let me break something down to you. You are not drunk in the Spirit. Being drunk of the wine and then saying we're drunk in the Spirit is a debauchery to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is far greater than anything man could ever bring to, to pass. It is far more powerful. And I've heard so many say, we are drunk in this spirit. I get it. You have been taught that and I'm teaching you differently in that. Because the Bible doesn't say you're drunk in this spirit. It says you are what? Filled. You are empowered with the spirit. God, forgive us for how we have defined a move of your Holy Spirit within our lives. Amen. Forgive us for the perceptions, Lord, that we have taught. Forgive us for allowing ourselves to be consumed of what is a false teaching and a false doctrine. But Lord, open your word to us. May we be receptive, God, of your Holy Spirit. May we, Lord, allow you to fill us. Forgive us for our false interpretations and our misinterpretations, our Perceptions that are not lining up with your word. We are not drunk in the spirit, but we are fulfilled through his Holy Spirit. You are destined to live a supernatural life and not a natural one. How do we do this? Number one, we must remove all barriers. God has more steps in your spiritual journey, but you will only get there to the degree if you are willing to remove the barriers that are in the way. God has a lot for you. Some of you need to be water baptized. That's something that's in the way. Some of you, your marriage needs to get healed. That's something that's in the way. Some of you, watch this, you need to lead a, a life group or a small group. That's something that's in the way because you're so fearful. Some of you, it's a denominational teaching or it's an upbringing. That's something that's in the way. Acts chapter two, verses 38 through 39 says, as Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will what? Call. So the second thing we must do is this, request the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our prayer needs to include, Holy Spirit, whatever you have for me is good, and I will take everything you have. We must come to a place where we're trusting in God in everything. That whatever God has for me is good, period. If it was good enough for them, <laughs> then it is good enough for you, and it is good enough for me. Don't filter through what is normal. Why? Because normal's not working. I don't want to be a normal Christian. I need to be what? A supernatural Christian. Normal's simply not enough. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, watch this. It says, if you then, speaking of us, through you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God, fill us with your spirit. 
God, I will take everything you have for me. And then thirdly, we see this, the third thing, receive him by faith. Listen, God is going to make you take a leap. Everything that God offers feels like we jump into an unknown area. We may understand a lot, but there's always that little unknown leap that we have to take. I'll be open here with you for a second. I came here to Shinkatig, and, and all I knew was it was an open door. I, I, I knew like two people from this area. That was it. And they weren't even living here anymore. And here I'm going to a complete place. I don't know anything about any of you. Watch this. I was in, I was going through probably one of my, I wasn't going through it anymore really, but I was in one of my most, most hurtful moments in my life. I had no direction. I knew nothing was going on and God opened the door. And all I can tell you is I leaped for it. Why? Because I said, God, I need more of you. I need to go after what you have for my life. You see, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we're leaping into the unknown because you're going into something that you never experienced before. And now we get into this experience that we have with Jesus and then he challenges us through his word to continue to go after more. He did that with the disciples. He said, wait until you receive power from on high. I'm gonna send something more to you that you don't know about. You're going to jump into the unknown. See, when we accept Jesus, we're accepting the Holy Spirit, but the unknown is being filled with the power that we must have within our lives in order to live a successful Christian walk. Your unwillingness to take a step towards change is a, is a direct result in your lack of faith with God. Now watch this. Let's look in the book of Ezekiel. I believe God is inviting us to take one more step. Ezekiel 47, three through five says this, and the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand. It says he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water. What is happening here, this is a spiritual experience that's taking place. But he says that led me through water that was what? Ankle deep. This is where some of you are today. I just want to be wet. I, I, I don't want to go to hell. So I'm having a relationship with Jesus. And, 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 but there's more for you. It's funny because I, I take my kids to the beach, which we haven't been yet this year. Water's too cold. But we take our kids to the beach. And, and here's me. Guys, let's just put our feet in. You know, I don't want to, it's too cold. I don't want to get out there. Here's Carter. Uh-uh. I want to go deeper and I want to go deeper and I want to go deeper. And as a dad, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. That's where some of us are. We get a little uncomfortable and we realize I'm good right here. Look, 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 look. I just got in the water. I'm good. I'm not going to go to hell. I do believe in Jesus. I'm great with coming to church, but let's leave it there. That's where many of us are. A lot of denominational faith teaches us, teach us to be just the scripture doesn't go. It goes a little bit further. Watch this. He says, he measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was what now? Knee deep. Some of you are there. You're getting more into the worship. Remember I told you this, what? We're carrying the TV. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
We're in the worship. Hey, I caught a fish this big. Praise you, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've not been fishing this year yet, Rob Barley. Yes. Yes. All right. And then many of you, you're, you're getting to the point. Touchdown, Jesus. That's in Ohio, by the way. Touchdown, Jesus. All right. There really is a statue of a touchdown, Jesus. <laughs> I'm stupid. All right. That's how I relate things. That's where some of you are at. You're, you're, you're what? You're, 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 you're okay. I'm going to give a little bit more to God. I'm going to get, so you know what? Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to get down into it a little bit further. Okay. That's where many of us are right now. Some of you are only ankle deep. Some of you are only up to, 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 to where? To the knee deep. And then he says this, he measured off another thousand and he led them through the water. That was now what? Up to the waist. Understanding that all three of these things, we are wet, but still in control. How are we in control? Because our feet can still touch the bottom and we can be in control of everything that's happening around us. And we don't like change and we don't want to be out of control. We like to have a handle on everything. So we're good. I know I'm going long, hang in there. So we're good with our feet being on the bottom because it's comfortable to us. Watch this. And then he says, he measured off another thousand feet. But now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. It goes on to say that, there, that it was leading them to, to the river teeming with life. In other words, there is some good stuff in the middle of the river. But the only problem is that in order for us to get to that place, we must lose touch with the ground. This is a beautiful picture of what it feels like to go on a spiritual journey. We need to wait out further when it comes to God's spirit and his ex expectation for your life and in that relationship. I don't, I, look, I'm happy that people are coming to Christ and I, I expect more but I don't want your relationship to stop just because you become ankle deep. And then, and then we, we, we grow a little bit. And so we get a little brave and we start worshiping and we start getting more involved within the church. So we allow ourselves to get up, what, up to the knees. And then we get a little bit further down in and we're allowing it to get up into the waste of us. And we're allowing more of God to, to creep into our lives and we're, we're accepting of it. And we're, we're, now we're getting in, involved in a life group and we're being baptized and we're doing all these wonderful, we're playing, we're, we're singing, we're making coffee, we're in Kids City, we're doing all this wonderful stuff. But we need to get to the spot where we get fully immersed and say, God, as it did in that scripture where the river led him to where life was, the only way that you can get into the life that God has intended for you is when you say, I don't wanna be in control anymore. God, take me and allow me to go with your tide. Allow me to go with your current and to go in the direction that you want for my life. We've got to get to the spot where we're no longer in control spiritually, but we're allowing God to be in control. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that the reward and he, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek after him. He knows your heart. He knows where you are. He's not looking for perfection. Thank God, because I am so imperfect. <laughs> I'm so flawed. I'm riddled with 
mistakes. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for those who are diligently seeking after him. And then fourthly, as I close right here, is that we need to do this. We need to relate to him daily. Relate to God daily within your life. I want to, uh, I want to read this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Do you have that? If not, that's fine. I want to, okay, perfect, you do. I want to read this. And as I do, I want this to be the prayer over us as a church, over you as individuals. And this is it. It's a prayer over you. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ. The what? The extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Be with all of you. I want you to stand with me. The first in this whole thing, the first step in this immersion is simply this, salvation. Jesus, I accept you. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I want you in my life. I want to live daily for you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of, of, of allowing myself to just be consumed by so many other things. I'm, I'm so worried about what the world thinks. I'm so worried about what people's perceptions are of me. And you know what, Jesus, today I don't care anymore. All I care, Lord, is about serving you. All I want to do, Lord Jesus, is serve you. So this day forward, Lord, my life is to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask this question as I do every Sunday. It is this, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can make that commitment to him. And this is a heart commitment between you and him. So I'm gonna ask if that is you, with every head by every eye closed, all I want you to do is slip your hand up. That's all I'm asking, just slip your hand up. I see that hand and I see that one. I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand. Wow. One more second. One more second. Holy Spirit, you're doing something great. Continue to move. If that's you in this place, I see that hand. Now here's what I want us to do as a church. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray this prayer, and I want you to repeat after me, everyone, and say it boldly, enthusiastically, and passionately. Dear Jesus, Today, I choose to serve you. Save me, Jesus. Be my king. Be my Lord. And be my master. From this day forward, I will serve you and only you. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. Watch me clean. Make me whole again. I love you, Lord. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there? Now, your second step.
in your life is for me to dunk you or somebody to, how about that? For your journey is for the water baptism. I want that experience for you. That is a time of celebration. That is a moment where you're making your relationship public and you're letting everyone know and you don't care because you're saying, Lord, I don't wanna be the one that you look at me one day and go, because you are embarrassed of me, I, I have no idea who you are. No, no, I don't want that for your life. So I'm encouraging you, whether this is your home church or you have another one somewhere else, get baptized. But listen, here's the whole point of this entire series, and that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm gonna open this altar up. I will pray for you if I can. If you get impatient and you leave, I'm sorry. But I wanna pray with everyone who comes down to this front. And I wanna pray that God fills his Holy Spirit within your life. Watch this, watch this. The way he chooses to give the gift to you. The way he chooses to give his gift to you. So there's no pressure. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. So that of you this morning, and you feel compelled, you wanna be empowered through the power of the Holy Spirit within your life. I'm asking you and I'm inviting you, step out from where you are and come down to the front of this church and I wanna pray with you.